We all know prayer is central to the success of missions. So why do we neglect it so often? Thad Bergmeier of Every Ethne joins us today to discuss the power of prayer in missions. But first, a word from ABWE President Paul Davis. ABWE missionaries are coming beside the lost and the hurting around the world. And through the Global Gospel Fund, they're pulling people from the darkness and training them as leaders. They're planting churches, and they're even beginning their own missions movements. You may already support one ABWE missionary. Would you consider a gift to the Global Gospel Fund to support all 1,000 of our missionaries? Thank you for that. Become a partner today at abwe.org slash global gospel fund. Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Advancement and Communications with ABWE, joined again by Scott Dunford, West Coast Advancement Coordinator and Lead Church Planter for Redeemer Church in Fremont, California. For you, it's been a week since we last joined you, but for us, it's been just a few minutes. And uh, Scott, you were, you were telling me just a moment ago before we got on the air, apparently my, my level of um, formality professionalism. It's a little bit different when we're with an old friend on the show versus a guest that we've just met for the first time. I don't know. Do you, do you want to give some evidence? Do you want to back that up? That's quite the claim. Well, you know, I, I do notice that when you're talking to people that uh, you've not yet met before, your vocabulary expands. I think you pull out your Harry Potter books and start throwing in Latin phrases. And, uh, and you just, you know, generally kind of raise up the formality level. But when we're talking to old friends and people old that we spend a lot of time with and people that yes. uh, you feel very comfortable with, boy, it just, you get all squirrely. It's like a different person altogether. Well, I'm going to be the latter person today. And with our guest today, no Latin, just English. Sorry to disappoint. Um, maybe in keeping with the uh, the North America theme, right? Why don't you introduce our, our guest for us today, Scott? Well, it's good to have our really good friend, Dr. Thad Bergmeier with us. Uh, Thad was a pastor for many years before joining the ABWE Every Ethne Team. He's the regional director uh, for the Midwest for every every. ABWE's uh, North America arm, which is called Every Ethne, and we'll let him explain that a little bit here in a second. But Thad, it is so good to have you on the show. We love you, and uh, just we we are sad that we don't get to spend as, as much time together as we, we <laughs> wish we could. But can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, uh, what caused you to get involved in missions, and particularly the unique ministry of ABWE's Every Ethne? Yeah, guys. Well, first off, thanks for including me in your definition of friendship. So I appreciate that, that you guys consider me a friend and that's uh, a broad sure. definition. <laughs> that's, a broad <laughs> definition. that's good. Yeah. So I, uh, background wise, I pastored for about 18 years in a couple different States and the most recently up here in Northeast Ohio, outside of Cleveland, Ohio, actually just East of Cle uh, Cleveland and, um, who by the way are still in the, NFL playoffs, by the way, the Browns. We've got yes, to give a shout out congratulations. To well, we'll see what's happening by the time this <laughs> drops, but sure. Well, that is true because uh, I also pastored at a church in Kansas. So I have a lot of Kansas City friends. And by the time this drops, they will probably be reminding me that we're no longer <laughs> the playoffs. Anyways, but I uh, pastored for 18 years. And then in 2016, kind of felt the Lord stirring, moving, leading us. Um, to leave that pastorate I was at and God 
open doors to be with ABWE North America, every ethne in what all I could just describe it as is a series of really unique coincidences, which we don't believe are coincidences, but God providentially was moving and guiding and directing us to be in this role. Every ethne, you know, for those who aren't familiar with the ministry, they're focusing on, on church planting in North America. So the U S and Canada, you guys have some incredible ministry stories that are beginning to come out. I was just looking through some of those that were emailed the other day. I mean, you, you guys have Muslim background believers who are seeing conversions happen right now in major North American cities and are, are baptizing people sometimes on a weekly basis. I mean, it's just exciting stuff. Um, and, and yet I think we all feel this just as American evangelicals, it's very easy for prayer and dependence on the Lord to get pushed to the margins of our ministry in our life. And every ethne is taking a step to wave that flag and, and focus on the importance of prayer. You guys have an event coming up later this year. You can tell us more about that, you know, but it's not just for every ethne and it's not just for North American church planting because boy, prayer is essential to the work of missions in general. So why don't you tell me how that week of prayer came about? Yeah. So last year, so in 20, um, at the beginning of 2020, we were with our team down in uh, some national meetings and we were going through a document called the great opportunity, which is, uh, um, some foundation called the pine tops foundation did a projection of what they envisioned um, or what they see as like the direction of the church in the United States from 2020 to 2050. And, um, you know, it looks bleak and, and, you know, millions of millennials and, and younger generations are, are uh, projected to leave the church. They made a passing comment as they were talking about church plant planting as one of the kind of ways to reach even newer uh, generation and to and to keep actually those in the church. And they said, what would it look like? Or we can envision a national day of prayer for church planting in North America. And so I kind of went to our team and said, well, why don't we do that? I mean, I don't know who else is doing that. There's other organizations and denominations, but we're a, a missions organization. So maybe we could have a unique perspective on that. And so we, uh, we we launched out last year in kind of uh, February, March, a campaign to do a week of prayer for church planting in North America. And we said, um, what better time to do it as we looked at kind of the national landscape of different uh, denominations and things that they did and timing. But we found that there was no one doing anything on the day of Pentecost. Hmm. <laughs> and that's so and, strange. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're Baptists. We don't believe in that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, that was a joke. I just, oh. <laughs> I want to get that on the record. <laughs> we kind of thought, well, why don't, like, if we're going to pray for Christ to continue building his church and we're going to ask people to join us to, con, uh, to ask Jesus to continue building his church, why not do it on the day of Pentecost at the birth of the church? And through that next week. And so last year kind of a was kind of a trial run, see what we could do. We had about 3000 people join us in about 20 different churches um, slash organizations that jumped on board to say, yeah, let's do it. Let's let's pray together for church planting um, in North America. And it was a, a great event. And this year we're kind of looking at multiplying that by 10 X. So mm, our team wow. thinks I'm usually the pessimist and, and I know we're friends. I don't know if you guys know me that well, but 
those that do work with me all the time, they're like, yeah, Fed, you're kind of a pessimist at times. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I share with them that kind of vision, like, guys, let's, let's reach 30,000 people to pray with us. They go, yeah, I don't know, Fed. I'm like, well, why not? Let's do it. And so we have been thinking about, and I've been reading a lot and uh, just reflecting even my own heart about prayer and about gathering people to pray. And it's been transformative for me, for sure. Question about that then, since you brought up the issue of optimism, pessimism, uh, my wife would consider herself a realist. So maybe you're not a pessimist, <laughs> that maybe you're a realist, but uh, you know, you've been influenced by Jonathan Edwards in thinking through why prayer matters so much for missions. And before we started recording, we were talking about his view of, of the direction of history. Of course, he was, you know, the perennial optimist and he saw uh, the great commission only being fulfilled and, and happening uh, through prayer and revival. So how has that impacted your thinking heading into this uh, week of prayer that you're promoting? Yeah, I mean, there's a book called Praying Together for True Revival. It's a um, a bunch of people, I think, with uh, uh, an organization printed this book from Jonathan Edwards. Actually, the real title is An Humble Approach. But the actual full title or the, the abbreviated title, and I'll just read this to you, is called this. And I'll try and uh, really specify certain words. Um, because Edwards is difficult to read at times, but, but this was kind of his condensed title. Okay. The humble attempt, right? Yeah. Well, (laughs) and humble attempt to promote explicit agreement and visible union of God's people in extraordinary prayer for the revival of religion and the advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth pursuant to scriptural promises and prophecies concerning the last time. And as I've read this book and kind of tried to just, um, just even meditate on it as he, he, he brings out scripture after scripture, that concept of, of promoting explicit agreement and visible union of God's people in extraordinary prayer has weighed heavy upon me, Hmm. you know, like let's get people together. Like let's get people to agree together. And let's get people in to have visible union in extraordinary prayer, like specific purpose for really the advancement of Christ's kingdom. So what, what was the impact even in Edwards day about this concerted effort of prayer? Well, he's actually, I think writing, and I'm not an expert on this, so <laughs> I'm not an expert on Jonathan Edwards, but, I think he's writing in response to or in defense of a a group um, coming out of the Great Awakening that were asking people to continue praying or to pray together. And there, that there were some people, in fact, in fact, the second half of the book is a little bit weighty, you could say, mm-hmm. um, of him uh, defending why, like, just think about this, guys. He's defending why people gathering to pray together is really biblical. I mean, just think about that. <laughs> he, he finds himself having to defend why it's necessary and why it's biblical for people from all over the world or all over the country praying specifically on certain topics and praying for revival to happen. Mm. 
That's why? Just, why is it because of the um, the enthusiasts that that really you know came to the fore towards the the tail end of the uh, um, of the Great Awakening, the first Great Awakening? You know, the the type of people that he wrote the religious affections against. Like, is is he is he trying to stave off some of that cynicism that came about because there was fanatics running around, uh, maybe you know, abusing this kind of uh, revivalistic uh, mentality? Is is that why? That's a great question, Alex. You said you weren't going to ask any questions. I wouldn't know the answer to. I so. said no such thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's shift though, because you know we, we we do have a similar tendency in our own day, though. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that we see, you know, people live streaming prayer services twenty four seven, and people are falling over and getting slain in the spirit. And so, you know, but what do we do? We retreat into a very formalistic. Uh, you know, view of prayer that's, you know, it's, it's just minimal. Like it, we're not laboring in prayer. So, uh, and, and, and you could, I think, draw a straight line and say, maybe that's why some of our attempts in missions and in church planting and evangelism are so anemic, you know, and I'll own that. I'll admit that I struggle in that area. So why do you think that Christians today, even those who are commissioned as gospel workers, why are we so uh, weak in something that we know is so important? Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a great question. And I can just tell you from experience in my own heart, um, I think one of the transitions going from from pastor to missionary has been I pray a lot more. Mm-hmm. And that is a really sad indictment upon me. It's something I've, <laughs> I've spent time confessing t- to the Lord and uh, probably need to confess to my churches I've pastored. <laughs> Maybe this will serve as that. But yeah, you I, just forward this. Yeah, I feel like in in our personal giftedness, um, sometimes we rely so much upon, uh, upon that as opposed mm. to not in full dependence. I don't know. Have you guys ever experienced that or thought that? For sure. <laughs> you know, it's in our times of real weakness and desperation that we call it to the Lord. Sometimes when we're fat and happy, we don't. Um, yeah. You said something though that's really interesting to me. You said you prayed a lot more now as a missionary than you feel like you did as a pastor. What do you see personally in your own life that's kind of uh, pushed, pushed that in you? Is it just, just sanctification? You're older now, you love Jesus more now, you've grown deeper in the Lord, or have there been external circumstances that kind of helped uh, develop that in your life? <laughs> well, full transparency, I think what started it was just fundraising. I mean, like when you're asking people to support you in a mission and you have no, I got no, I got nothing to give in that. Um, you just start to live more in a dependence upon God to move in the hearts of his people in ways that I never did before, which is weird because as a pastor, you're paid through the church, <laughs> through people <Right>. giving, <laughs> you know, and I, I think it started there, but but then it just multiplies, Scott, into just realizing how helpless that we are, how how much we need, how weak we are. Let's just say one more thing, and I just to quote Edwards here, like he actually says in the book, he says, "Never was there an age wherein religion in general was so much despised and trampled on, and Jesus Christ and God Almighty so blasphemed and treated with open and daring." contempt. And then he says this, the exceeding weakness of mankind and their insufficiency in themselves for bringing to pass anything great and good in the world with regard to its moral and spiritual state. Mm. And 
like when I read that, I was like, that that's me, man. I, I think hmm. sometimes in pastoral ministry, I was like, yeah, we're, you know, you would never say that you think that you're all that, but I think you don't understand how weak we really are. Hmm. I think it shows itself in the fact that we didn't pray <laughs> that I didn't pray as much. Mm. Um, and I'm, and I'm talking personal, I'm talking, it's, it's a lot easy. It's simple to, uh, create prayer events, like even what we're doing with the, the week of prayer, but I, but of like encouraging my own heart to spend time as, as Edwards would say, like just agonizing mm. in prayer. Let me play devil's advocate. Yeah. Um, not saying that we should not agonize in prayer, labor in prayer, you know, but I had, a good friend um, several years ago tell me that, that he had turned a corner in his prayer life where, it, you know, he found himself, you know, day in and day out praying for the same sort of daily requests. And he felt a lot of peace realizing, wait a second, if I've said it to the Lord once, God has heard me, you know, he hears my prayer. Yeah. I, I don't have to, you know, sort of heap up those vain, you know, empty repetitions as the pagans do, right. To, to borrow from, from what Christ says, is that, is that a, a good perspective to because there's probably a balance here, right? Like we, we should be constant and unceasing in prayer, but at the same time, you know, the externals of how long we spend in prayer, how many times we might repeat the same request, you know, at, at what point do you realize I'm, I'm talking to someone who hears me, you know, the, the father is hearing me, you know, through Christ as I'm praying by the spirit and if I tell it to him, you know, he, he's going to receive that. And, um, you know, can, can we, can we get off balance in this area? What do you, what do you think? I mean, sure. I, I think if it's just words you're saying, I think if it's just, you're going through a, a, a token list, but I don't know if we can ever bother God too much. Mm. Can we? No. I think he even actually calls out of us to, to keep, for lack of a better term, bothering him, you know, like keep praying, keep petitioning for him to move and to work. Well, we agree prayer is critical and commanded, but we want to talk about how that ties into the work of missions specifically. We're going to do that when we return with Dr. Thad Berkmeyer of Every Ethne. Have you ever been approached by a student expressing a missionary call? For the last 15 years, Spurgeon College's Fusion program has been equipping students for missions through life-on-life -life discipleship, college coursework, and intensely practical training. If you know a student desiring to become a missionary, send them to Fusion at Spurgeon College as their next step. To learn more about how we are equipping students for a lifetime, visit SpurgeonCollege.com Fusion. Hi, I'm Scott Dunford, and I'd like to share with you about a new nonprofit ministry established to help churches, Christian schools, and other ministries protect children and prevent abuse. Rich Hamar from Church Law and Tax states that the number one reason that drives churches to court is child sexual abuse. I can't think of anything more devastating to these lives, their families, and our witness before a watching world than sexual abuse that takes place in ministry. The traumatic impact often leaves the vulnerable not wanting anything to do with God or his people. Our efforts toward evangelism, discipleship, and spiritual formation are not only neutralized, but shattered. Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention was formed to help ministry leaders understand the complexities of child protection and abuse prevention. They are establishing standards and an accreditation program that will help verify that appropriate measures 
procedures are in place at your church or ministry. Learn more about them. Find a helpful and free assessment tool to help you see how you measure up in this area. Go to abuseprevention.org and click on the link for this resource assessment. Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention. And this June, attend the National Conference. Go to abuseprevention.org and register with ABWE21 as the promo code to receive 20% off your ticket. That's promo code ABWE21 to receive 20% off. Brooks Buser, president of Radius International. I am here with Mark Dever, senior pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist and president of Nine Marks. When you go to a culture that's a different language than yours, you're ending up in a kind of majority language that's been reached. And there are other peoples still more hidden, and it's those people who are often almost entirely unreached, and they take more cross-cultural effort is there a way we can better train people to have more realistic expectations of what life is like in the kind of two steps away from my culture and be able to sustain family life with its normal difficulties there so that there can be a long years and even decades long witness in that culture. And it seems like Radius is set up to provide that training. Radius is about reaching unreached people groups. Go to radiusinternational.org, radiusinternational.org. We're back with Thad Bergmeier on the topic of prayer and why it matters so much in missions and in church planting. Scott? I think we, you know, we understand the, uh, the concept of personal prayer and that it's a necessary thing. Um, but, but this week of prayer emphasis and even the article or the, the book that you had mentioned, you know, by has impacted you a lot by Edwards is talking not about just personal prayer, but of a time of concerted and corporate prayer. Um, so why is that so important? You know, why, why is it not just important that, Hey, you know, Alex adds, you know, missionaries to his prayer list every day, but that there's a, a specific time of concerted prayer. Why is that essential? Well, I think that there's there's a union that takes place. And even I think what Edwards in that definition that I gave you guys um, earlier, where he talks about um, extraordinary prayer for the revival of religion, advancement of Christ, a, king, a kingdom pursuant to scripture promises. I love that because there's something about what he's saying here is, is pray um, corporately. And not just as a church, but like all churches, like all Christians gather together and pray and cry out for God to do what he has promised he's going to do. And that seems very mm -hmm. ironic to me, at least like, well, okay, he's promised is going to happen. We believe he's a God who doesn't lie. Right. So he's going to do it. But yet God tends to move through the hearts of his people and through the cries of his people. Mm -hmm. and so. So for like the week of prayer, we're saying, okay, <laughs> some of the five, five most powerful words that Christ ever uttered, where he says, I will build my church, right? Mm. And now, so we believe that to be a promise. And now we're coming together saying, would you please do and continue to do what you said that you would do? Mm. So we're joining together in unity to pray for his pro promises to, to be fulfilled. And when Edwards talks about, you know, those promises in the humble attempt, he's talking about very specific, you know, promises yeah. of, of the glory of, of Christ's kingdom, yeah. right? You know, think of Habakkuk 2.14, right? The, the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. 
right? There's a day that that's coming. There's a day that the great commission will be finished and you don't necessarily even have to be, for instance, post-millennial as (laughs) Edwards was to recognize, right. But to recognize that, uh, that the great commission wasn't given to the church in vain, but that it, yeah, for, for whatever reason, as paradoxical to us, as it may seem, God wants to accomplish these things. He's already said are going to happen, right? That the nations will be evangelized, mm-hmm. right? The church will be built throughout the globe. Um, the nations are going to stream to God. Um, and that's going to happen not through us just saying, well, he promised it and sort of passively giving ourselves over to that. But but through actively praying God's promises back to him, which is something you see modeled in scripture as well. You know, I'm curious uh, for you, Scott, you know, we we talk about this for for church planting in the U S and Canada and for missions worldwide, you know, for you and your church now, and even drawing on your past experience as a missionary, Scott, you know, how, how is prayer central to your ministry then? Because I, I think Thad made a good point earlier. We do tend to rely on our own talent far too much. I know I do. Um, as someone who's, you know, on the younger side here, it's very easy to rely on the flesh in that way. You know, I, th- I think Tad, Th- Thad touched on this earlier where, you know, we're very tempted to run on in our own strength and uh, run on in our talents and abilities that which we tend to overestimate, right? And uh, and it's only, and I think that's part of why God gives us these trials and difficulties because in those things where we don't know what mm-hmm. to do, it's kind of like... Uh, what was said in the in the Old Testament? I can't remember the story right now, but I think feel like it's is it was one of the kings, maybe maybe uh, Jeroboam, uh, not definitely not Jeroboam, <laughs> uh, maybe Jehoshaphat, who, you know, who said when he was surrounded, you know, by the enemy, um, we, we don't, don't know, know what, what to, to do, do, but our eyes are on you. Was that Jehoshaphat? Yeah. I hope that was right. I think so. Um, and um, and in those moments where like I don't know what to do, or when we're at that Red Sea moment and we're trapped, you know, between the mountains and the sea and the, the enemy's coming upon us when we realize, oh, wait a second, you know, like I can actually call out to the maker of heaven and earth, the all powerful, omnipotent one. And he hears my cries and he knows my name and he is quick to answer. <laughs> and it's like, mm. oh yeah, duh. And uh, I have this. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's kind of like what we see in so many books, you know, it's like, oh, the, the answer was in his pocket the whole time. He just forgot that he had the power, you know, and, and, uh, and we call out to the Lord in those moments. And, 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 and those are, those are sweet times for the believer as it builds our faith and, and helps to remind us of the fact that, you know, we are dependent on a God who loves us and wants to answer our prayers. And, and so, yeah, I've, I've, we've seen that. I'm in, you know, we're in situations like that right now where, you know, people are coming to the Lord and there's, there's opposition and, and, and even persecution in ways that you just don't really expect to see in America. And, um, and in, in even financially and, and then, you know, things like, like buildings and church mergers and, and just some of the daily business where you come to come to an end of yourself and say, I can't do it. And I don't have the ability to do it. And, we call it to the Lord and lo and behold, he's faithful and he hears us and he answers our prayers. And, and so, yeah, I've seen it. And, uh, I, the, it's frustrating to me personally that I still struggle though. <laughs> you know, it's like, I guess I resonate with some of the stories in scripture of like, wow, they saw God do amazing things and they still doubted him sometimes, you know, and, and that can be us. And so having this emphasis that, that I'm just very appreciative of, of an emphasis where for a week we take a special focus and we get God's people praying together and really focusing on, on the needs because 
you know, it, it's, it's a hard time to be a church planter and, and certainly much of America, there's still pockets of America where it's fashionable to be Christian, but there's huge pockets of parts of America where it is not fashionable. And not only is it not fashionable, but all of society seems to be conspiring against the, the very work of the gospel and uh, where we are forced to rely on our brothers and sisters and rely on our Lord in prayer. So, you know, as we, obviously the, the focus of week of prayer brings it to our mind, but what kind of practical advice would you give that God's been teaching you and, and probably Alex, you can add to this too, um, to, for people who are struggling to maintain a regular prayer life? And how can maybe something like this week of prayer help spark even a deeper life of prayer? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that I would say there. One is <laughs> we live in a world of technology. And so I have an app on my phone, a prayer app that I have every day at 9 a.m. It pops up an alert. And that's specifically for those what, where, that I would say is my circle of influence who, who I'm building relationships with to share the gospel with. And so every day that pops up and it's just a quick reminder for me to think about them and pray for them and ask God to do something in their life every day at nine um, o'clock. Um, I got some friends that, um, that do similar things where they, um, uh, what is it? Luke, uh, uh, I'm going to show my ignorance here now. Um, but you know, uh, pray for the harvest, like, like pray that the Lord would send out more workers in the, har the, har the harvest, right? Luke, uh, is it Luke 10? I think. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's 10 something. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. And so they set their alarm for, for that time every day and their staff and their, and the pastors at the church. And they asked their people to stop every day and pray for that. Um, so I think using technology can help you be reminded. But I also think that there's something about, I know in my times in my life, I mean, like, how can you get where Paul Paul says pray without ceasing, right? Like, like he's not, he's, he's definitely talking more informal than formal prayer at that point. Right. I mean, I think so. Hmm. <laughs> You're not going to get anything done, but, but, but I know in my heart when things, when I'm actually close to the Lord, when I wake up in the morning and one of my first thoughts is, okay, father, what do you have for me today? As opposed to what do I got to get done today? Mm. And it's just living in dependence on the spirit in all things. Yeah, for me. Um, yeah. I've, I've got a couple similar practices. I've, I've got an app that um, actually just installed earlier this week that is prompting me to pray at, at 7 14 AM and PM. Um, for revival for the U S in particular, um, you know, based on second Chronicles seven fourteen, you know, if my people who are called by my name, write That passage, but, um, you know, and I keep a separate prayer list in a note on my phone. Uh, I do find that I have to put the phone down in the morning and that if I don't put it down, the prayers are, um, well, they're just not as robust and focused, but, um, it, you know, for me, um, I, I, I do think there is something sacred to the morning. And if I don't spend even just five, 10 minutes with the Lord in prayer in the morning, it just, it won't happen later in the day. I, I have to get up incredibly early, um, to make sure that it happens that, you know, I, I would be quick to say it's not a law, right? It's, it's not a law that, uh, 
you know, everyone has to get up at the crack of dawn to do that. And maybe your, your time is better in the evening, but I, 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 I've never seen that work. I don't know. That's just me. I think there's something special about the morning. And, um, my son is reading through the book of Daniel right now. Um, he, he just finished chapter seven and, um, so I, he's getting to the difficult parts here soon. It's so, just, it's pretty so easy part. Yeah. Uh, it, it, right. He, he made it through all the easy parts and now it's just going to get, you know, bonkers. But, um, <laughs> we were talking about how Daniel ended up in the lion's den and the fact that, you know, when the edict came that he couldn't, uh, pray, you know, the reason he had the, the grace to obey the Lord in that moment was because he was already in the, pre- the habit of praying three times a day. You know, and we talked about that uh, the other night. Uh, my son's eight, you know, so he's at a point in his, his life where there's no reason he can't do that, right? Where, you know, he's, he's not, you know, a, a four or five-year-old who's, you know, every moment is, is sort of dictated to him. But um, I, I think that goes to the habits that we build is that, you know, we live in a day and age where, you know, shoot, many, many churches that would have otherwise been sound and solid some of them still haven't even opened up yet. Many people have not been gathered for worship consistently over the last several months, close to a year now. And if we're not in the habit of calling on the Lord, you know, corporately, um, we can't expect anything else that we do in missions to succeed. And and God has promised the Great Commission will be fulfilled. It, you know, the knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth, right? The gospel is going to continue to spread to the ends of the earth. That's not going to happen, at least put it this way, it will happen, but we're not going to get to share in the joy and the fruit of that Mm. and the glory of that if we're not praying those promises back to the Lord. Do you guys agree? Amen. Yeah. And and we see this pattern throughout scripture, right, of of prayer. I mean, if, if Christ himself, before major decisions steps aside, pulls himself up, gets in the middle, go prays all night or gets up very early in the morning and goes off by himself to pray. Who do we think we are? Right? Like it's right. so rebuking. Jesus Christ himself prayed. Who, why do we think we can do anything without prayer? Yeah. Mm. And, and let me just Ouch. add one more layer into to that because <clears throat> please, I try and, um, and I'm, I fail more times than I'm successful in this, but how many times have you guys had someone stop you or call you and just say, Hey, can I just pray with you? Like it doesn't mm-hmm. happen very often. Right. And I was reminded just the other day, I was, I shot a, uh, a, uh, you know, Edwards is talking about the Northeast a little bit. So I sent a little screenshot of this book to our friend, Dan Nichols up there in the Northeast Cl- uh, collaborative and, you know, yep. And just say, man, praying for the Northeast as Edwards was praying for, for the, the Northeast. He shot me a text back and he goes, hey, I'm free for a couple of minutes right now if you want to pray. Hmm. And so we, I just called him and we just hopped on the phone and just spent five minutes praying with each other about the gospel and about the Northeast and about church planting and even our role and our hearts in it. And I just wonder what it would look like if we we're sensitive to the movement of the spirit in our life that any time that we're with someone and we have the thought like, man, I should offer to pray for them. Like that's probably mm. not from the enemy of God. Right. <laughs> that no. thought. So, mm. so how would that propel us in closeness to Christ? If we just didn't, um, if we refused to uh, reject the spirit in those moments. Dad, what if we closed this episode with prayer? And uh, yeah, I, I think that would be only fitting 
and whether you're, you're listening to this and you're, you know, at the gym with your headphones in or, you know, you're, you're vacuuming. I mean, what, whatever you do while you listen to podcasts, um, apparently you've, you've invited us into your ear canal for a reason. And, uh, and we can do this, um, Thad, I'd love for you to lead us before you do that though, where can people go to find out more about the every ethnic week of prayer and sign up themselves and their church to participate? Yeah. So go to every church backslash week of prayer. So every church uh, slash week of prayer, you can get all the information there and then you can also, there's a bunch of videos. The other thing I would say is if you follow um, every ethnic social media or even ABWE social media, we have little short one minute clips from church planters that are getting released every week, every Tuesday and Thursday from now until May, just expressing why prayer is so important in their church plants. And so great. like those, uh, you know, retweet them or, or share them or whatever you can do in your different social media, um, uh, platforms. That's great. And ethne is E T H N E. So every slash week of prayer. We'll also include a link in the show notes that lead us in prayer. Let's do that now. Father, we, uh, we thank you for an opportunity just to even come and talk. Um, I pray in the spirit of humility, but Lord, we are not experts in this. Um, I feel like I fail more times in this issue of prayer than I do in success of it. And yet that's just a constant reminder of my weakness and my need to call upon you to be the one who works. And, uh, ultimately <clears throat> Lord, we, uh, we bow and pray because we want you. Uh, we pursue you. It's, we pursue that relationship with you. Um, and I wonder if sometimes we fail to pray because while we say that we want you, we really just want your gifts. And I, I pray mm. that that's not true of me or of any of us. Um, I pray that uh, you would help us lean in to, uh, to understand how important prayer is in ministry, in um, in the, the Christian life, in church planting in specific. Um, and so, Lord, I pray for this week of prayer that we're going to have uh, come May 23 to tw- uh, 29 um, during Pentecost. And as we remember the church and we remember the birth of the church, we just want to continually ask you to do what Christ said he would do. And it's build his church. We pray it for North America. We pray it for the world. Lord, continue to show uh, visible expressions of of uh, of your love and care for people through the church. So, thanks for these uh, the missions podcast, and thanks for this time. Lord, be uh, glorified in all we say and do. In Christ's name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thad, thank you for leading us today. We pray. Uh, even now that God would add anything to our life. He's going to add anything to our life, that it would be a a posture of prayer and a a missional attitude with that. So thank you for listening today. Go to missionspodcast.com for more content. While you're here, smash the subscribe button. Make sure that you are signed up to get more content as it comes out. Also be sure to share the show. Leave us a positive rating and a review that helps us get this content in front of more people that need to hear it. And until next week, thank you for listening to the missions podcast.